There are a lot of scholars out there talking about the boy crisis. And there is belief that there is a correlation between this boy crisis and man understanding their identity as men. Many men are even stumbling with their sons on teaching them what it is to be a man or uninitiated desire to be a father. And many men are struggling spiritually on what it means to be fathered by God. And to be honest, we have all felt the impact of the boy crisis. Not only have men felt it, but women have felt it as well. Women have felt the sting of the boy crisis by abandonment, usury, brokenness, and more. And while we have given and need to give much more attention to the inequality and injustice towards women in this country, we must not miss what is going on with so many boys and men. Here are a few statistics in regards to the boy crisis. I hope this gives you insight into the state of boys. Boys are diagnosed with a learning disability triple the rate of girls. For emotional disturbance, that race increases to more than triple. One half times more preschool boys are identified as developmentally delayed. Twice as many boys than girls struggle with completing schoolwork and struggle with behaving the way the school system expects them to behave. Boys make up 80 to 90% of disciplinary referrals to the principal. Twice as many boys have speech difficulty. Boys are twice more likely to repeat kindergarten than girls. Boys are twice likely to be suspended. Boys are expelled from school at three times the rate as girls. For every girl who kills herself, four or more boys commit suicide. For every 100 women that enter college, 78 men do. For every 100 women that earn a bachelor's degree, 78 men do. Boy, boys get two-thirds of D's and F's in our school. Boys are less than half the A's. The majority of school dropout are boys. And what does that stir in your soul as you hear those numbers? How does it make you feel? I'll tell you how it makes me feel. And I echoed the heart of John Eldridge. It makes my heart ache for boys. It makes my heart ache for men. It makes my heart ache for their families. It makes my heart ache for the women they will marry, work with, date, and more. And here are the reality. Boys need fathers to help them become men and good fathers. Let me say that again. Let me say it. To make sure it comes through clear, boys need their daddies to help them become men and good fathers. Not only do boys need their fathers, but boys need other men to help them become men. But what is a good father? What does a good father look like? I think we can learn a lot from God the Father, but both men and boys need to be fathered by God and learn how God fathers. I want to preach from this thought, fathered by God. I want to preach from that thought, fathered by God. 
The greatest father-son relationship we see in Scripture, no doubt about it, nothing compares to it, is the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Man, I believe we can learn something from God the Father on how to father. Because everyone needs a guide. God is our guide when it comes to fathering. It is in following God that we learn how to guide and instruct boys, our sons, on how to be fathers. And ladies, I have you in mind as well, as I know how much healthy man will benefit you as well. I'm thinking of the effect the boy crisis has on dating and marriage and domestic violence as well. John once again says this, for the father, watch it now, feel it, capture it in your own heart, capture it in your own mind, and capture it in your own soul, and don't let it pass you by. Here it is, lean in on this, for the father loves the son and shows him all that what? He does. It's funny, this verse doesn't say God, but refers to God as father. And we don't talk enough about God being father, let alone fathering us. Why is it that we don't talk about this beautiful reality of God fathering us? Pause and take this in for a moment. That the God of the universe, the God who's created everything, the God who's giving you ears to hear right now, the God who's giving you a brain to think through what I'm saying and to figure out whether what I'm saying is true or not. That God who, who spoke the world into existence, that God with ex nihilo power, out of nothing power, that God who, 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 who spread the Red Sea, that God who opened up blind eyes, that God who opened up deaf ears, that God who fed 5,000 with a lunch bowl, that God who walked on water, that God who delivers those who are in sin, that God who raises the dead, that same God is your father. Take that in for a moment. The reason all this exists is because of your dad. And friends, it's important that we begin to behold God is not just God, but Father. And oftentimes when the saints are going through things, I said it's an awesome thing that he's God, but I need you to know that in your darkest hour when life crushes you, you don't have to just look at God as God, although he is, you also need to see him as your Dad, who cares about you and wants to hear from you and wants to talk to you. The greatest cure to religious code rituals is seeing God as Father. I'll say it one more time. I'm going to take that request because Chrissy is my elder after all. I'll bring it back. The greatest cure to religious code ritual is seeing God as Father. Seeing God as father will cure hypocrisy. But pastor, I can't even begin to understand what being fathered by God looks like. I hear you. I'm coming for you, and I want to help you out. We get a glimpse of the father fathering in his relationship to his only begotten son, Jesus. And we fathers, earthly fathers, need to take cue from our heavenly father on how to father. 
God our Father makes sure that God the Son knows that he loves him. The first thing you need to know. He makes sure that God the Son knows that he loves him. I love it. Yes, I do. One of the greatest needs for boys is he needs to know his dad loves him. A boy needs to know that his dad adores him, that his dad thinks great of him, that his dad thinks a lot of him, that his dad enjoys being with him. A son needs that. My son, Dakai, craves time with me. He desires to hug me and to hear from me and, and to hear that I love him. He wants me to play Fortnite, but I ain't there yet, child. I haven't, I haven't got there. I can't play video, guy. I'll be trying. But he also likes me to wrestle with him and ride bikes with him and play tag with him. Dakai needs to know he is not just my son, but my beloved son. He does. It's funny because what we see is the father loving on the son and enjoying his son. Not only does God the father love the son, but he actually enjoys God the son. Jesus is known as God's beloved son. The love between the father and the son is so intense. It is so powerful that if you put all the energy in the world together and all the energy in the cosmos together, it would not compare to the energy of love that is flowing between the Father and the Son. And one day, you and I are going to step into that dynamic energy and that joy and that power that is between the Father and the Son. And I don't have time to explain this, but so much of your salvation is caught up in that love. So much of your existence Existence is caught up in that love, but we don't have time to go there. You'll notice in this passage, Jesus never refers to God the Father in this generic way. No, he refers to him as one with a deep connection with his Father. If you touch the scriptures in the book of John, you could feel the love flowing in the text between the father and the son. You can, you can tell the son has this unique relationship with the father. I love it. I just marvel at it. It is some, a sight to see. If there's one thing you knew, Jesus knew, was that he was loved by his father. There was no doubt. There was no wondering. There was no maybe. No, Jesus knew that his father loved him. God the Father was and is affectionate towards the Son. And is it important that we move away from this negative stigma that fathers should only punch their sons and not hug their sons? Let me say that again. It's important that we move away from the negative stigma that, 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 that fathers should only punch their sons and not hug their sons. Our sons can't be starved for our affection. But they should be overwhelmed by it. But many of us, if we're honest, have never heard from another man, I love you. And so I love you to many men doesn't always roll off the tongue easy. We say, you know what it is, bro. <laughs> oh, well, we say, no, we say, we know what it is, Lamont. Or we say, love, you know. There's all kinds of ways that man get around to saying that we love one another. That's my dog. That's my homie. Oof. All that good stuff. But, but, notice that, that, but, but notice that God the Father doesn't hesitate to say that he loves the Son. 
nor does the son hesitate to say to the father that he loves him. All the men in the room, we need to know, first and foremost, that God loves us. And he expresses that love to you. Watch this. Watch this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't just say he loved you, but he displayed in deep deep affection on the cross that he loves you, son. And earlier I said how high the county is for man taking their lives. And I believe it is because many men die not knowing what love feels like. Men die with a heavy heart because they feel as if there's nowhere to lay their burdens. Our hearts are heavy because we have few places to lay and share our heart with other men because of what we are told about manhood. And unfortunately, our women have been taking the beating. We have got to soak in God's love and and wring it out on our sons. Man, let me say that again. Man, you need to soak in the love of God and then take that love and wring it out on your sons. And man, we are so desperately in need of the Father's love. We do. And ladies, believe it or not, so many men are not talking, but they have been wounded. They have. It's a lot of wounded men walking around. Wounded how? By not accessing the love from a father. Wounded. And in turn, we have wounded men wounding women and children. Listen, God's love can fix you, brother. God's love can make you whole. Yes, it can. It can. I'm telling you, it will. It will. And I know so many of us have wounds, wounds of betrayal, trespasses of our bodies, abuse, violence, shame, neglect, silence. And these wounds have hunted and shaped us. And for so many of us, these wounds drive us. But I don't want us to be shaped or driven by our wounds, but driven and shaped by the love of God. And I'm believing God today that some man watching, some man sitting, and will be healed today. By the love of God. Believe in God today that's going to set some man free. And that you're going to taste the love of God. So what are some practical applications right here off the bat here for us fathers? Number one, fathers, we need to take time to meditate and study God's love for you. Man, I want to encourage you to, 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 to take some time aside to, 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 to get into your word. And I want you to look at this particular thing. I want you to look at how God loves you. I want you to pay attention also to how God expresses fatherly love. I want you to see that because after you see it, you need to receive it and then you need to give it. Here's the, here's the second thing I want to challenge you man in the room to do. I want you to do this. I want you to hug your sons. I do. And I want you to hug a boy who ain't got a father. And I want you to tell him that you love him. By the way, genuine love is not afraid to express itself. When we love something, man, we express it. You should have seen, you should see, she on Facebook, all the NBA stuff. Man, guys are going off. I feel bad for the Kevin Durant fans. It'll be okay. Sorry, let me keep going. Tell them. <laughs> Some guys just got wounded in a row. See, they're expressing their love already. See, what I mean? tell them you love them and tell them, don't just tell them once, 
Tell them often that you love them. They need to hear those three magic words. I love you. They need to hear it. Lesson number two from God our Father. I love this one. This one got me excited. God our Father tells God the Son what he's doing. Man, that's good. Ooh, that's real good. For, for, watch it in the verse. For the Father loves the Son and, watch this, y'all, and shows him all he does. And that's good, Jesus. Preach to us, Jesus. I love this part of the verse because we see God the Father is active in the life of the Son. God the Father and God the Son is actively participating in things together. Of course, this is on a divine scale. And because the Father and the Son are one, they move together. The Father does, the Son does, the Father moves, the Son moves. You can see this kind of intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. And Jesus is telling those listening that since the Father loves him, watch this, because the Father loves me, the Father includes me, the Son, in his work and allows me to be a part of his life. Because the Father loves me, he brings the Son into what he's doing. He wants the Son to be a part of of his life. He wants the son to be a part of how he's moving and what he's doing. Jesus is merely saying that the father is working. He loves the son and shows him what he is doing. And when he shows the son his work, you know what he's doing? Father is giving an invitation to the son to join him in his activity. In his activities like what? The father and the son. Watch this. Because this is beneficial to you. You get the benefits of this. But you need to know what's happening in the background. This is all background, right? This is what's going on on a divine level. And, and, and it's just, it is just being poured out on you. The Father and the Son work on resurrection together. They work on salvation together. They work on eternal judgment together. Now, of course, I'm not saying we should work on these things. Like, don't go home to your son and say, we're going to work on resurrection. <laughs> Unless you're talking about his salvation. Talking about, let's go to the graveyard and watch me because you're going to look bad out there. Don't take your son. Don't go doing stuff like that, all right? This, I'm talking about God. This stuff. You know, you got to give people context because folks will walk out of here saying whatever. But I heard, I told y'all, I gave y'all the context. We should concern ourselves with our son's salvation, though, and point to them, that we should point them to the things of God. It is proven that, watch this, it is proven that boys learn best by doing and working with their fathers. And this is one of the biggest ways fathers like to show love. This is what we like doing, by doing rather than talking. But we have to invite our sons into our activities because sometimes as dads, we like to isolate ourselves and we don't like to talk. But we need to bring our sons into our activities. And our job doesn't always make it easy. I do know that some of our jobs pull us away for hours, uh, 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 for hours of the day, 10, 12 hours. And sometimes we got to be creative in how we're going to spend time with our sons. But it is vital for the development of our sons. The godly father takes the time to include his children in his life. He models appropriate behavior before them, and more often than not, they will follow his example. 
And when we don't work with our sons and show them things, Brian Loritz says this, they will have to deal with a headwind. But if we are active in our sons' lives, they will have a tailwind in life. The right fathers, you can eat fa- fathers, you can either be a headwind or a tailwind in the life of your children. And if you fly and travel from east to west, you can expect it will take longer than traveling from west to east, although it's the same distance. Why is this? Because one way you are going up against the wind, and the other way the wind gets behind us and pushes us along. And children who have an active dead seem to get to their destiny quicker than those who don't. But let me be clear. God can get you to where he wants you without an earthly dead. I don't want to make you hopeless in the room. But it sure does help to have an active father. What I'm saying is our children need us to be proactive dads. We need to be intentional and invested in our children. Both boys and girls need this. But boys need to wonder and explore with their dads while having dads protective strength cover them. Boys want to jump. Boys want to run. Boys want to explore. And they need to be able to do that. But boys are also, they're also youthful, right? And they do dumb stuff. And so they need dads to cover them. And if we want our sons to be great fathers, It starts with us being an example of what their heavenly father is like. And can we only, we can only know what he is like by doing things with him. Dads, I need to slow down here. Because it's important that you spend time with your heavenly father doing things. You see, fathers, you need to build your families, and to build your homes. You need to build them with God and not without God. I need to slow down. We need to build our children with God. We need to watch our families with God. Many of us are frustrated in our fathering Because we are not allowing ourselves to be fathered by God. Spending time doing with God. Okay, you're not with me yet. Psalms 127 is all about home. It's all about about encouraging godly homes. Watch this. Psalms 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand, watch what? In vain. In vain, you rise early, you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offsprings, a reward for him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man who what? Y'all didn't say that loud enough. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me run it back. Here it is. Let me, let me see what it say. Okay, let me run it. Okay. Blessed is the man who what? It is full. All right? Children are not a curse. Children are a blessing. 
Some of y'all say, I'll argue you on that one, Pastor. I'm going to argue you down on that one. But what the Bible says, the man who quiver is full, is blessed. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. Understand, this psalm was a journey song. It was a journey song. This song was like singing 99 bottles of Coke on the wall as you drove. I know some of y'all don't know that because y'all just listen to Cardi B as y'all drive. But, 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 but this song is similar but very serious. What's the point? The people of Israel would sing this song as they traveled to worship. They would sing about what a godly home looked like as they went to worship. They had this song on their iTunes and their Spotify, and it was on replay as they journeyed to the Temple Mount. Psalms 127 in their AirPods. Imagine that, singing a song about a godly home. That means that, 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 that a godly home is one of the ways that we worship God. A godly home is one of the ways that we bring glory to God. And here it is, they wanted and were desirous of a godly song so much that they're singing about it. Man, do you sing about a godly home? Do you worship God and request of God to give me a godly home? Young and old playing this song over and over and over again about a godly home and what a godly dad looks like. One of the things this psalm teaches us is a godly dad depends on the Lord. Man, we struggle with this big time. Can we be honest for a minute? Let's just drop the mask for a second. Just drop the macho for a second. Come on, I need y'all to be real with me, brothers. We hate depending on anybody for anything. Yes, we do. We hate it. It's one of the, it's one of the, one of the biggest things that we hate. But one of the beauties of having a father is you get to depend on him. Our children need to see us Depend on God. Fathers, we have a continuous dependency on God. And here's the thing about Christianity. Maturity in Christianity is not independency, but it's actually dependency. Those who are mature understand how much they need God and how weak they are. Those who are maturing understand that their flesh is weak, but great is his spirit within me. Those who are mature, who have the mind of Christ, understand that victory doesn't come by your muscles, by your intelligence, by your power, by your money, but it comes through dependency on God. Oh, I love fellas that know how to depend on God. I wish I had some ladies in the room that love a man that depend on God and not himself. Oh. Oh, it's a beautiful thing to see a man down on his knees, praying for his family, talking with God, walking with God. That's a beauty. We need to bring that back. A man that prays with God, walks with God, read his word when stuff's going on in the house and he don't know what's going on. He said, I don't know much, but I know who to call on when I don't know what to do. I know what to do. And it's to pray to the Heavenly Father because the Bible tells me what to do. It's a foolish thing, friends, uh, uh, men, to try to build a family without God. 
trying to build a family without depend, uh, not depending on God, brothers, is like trying to change a spare tire without a jack kit. Yeah. I caught a flat the other day. That's why it's so close and dear to my soul, Jabril. Y'all not going to believe this. Me and Jabril, we was on our way, right? I picked him up from the airport, and lo and behold, I caught a flat, y'all. And I caught a flat in the most unusual place. I was right there going through the toll, y'all. I had a car in front of me. I had a car behind me. And I had my wife and my daughter in the back as well. And so I get out the car because, you know, the, 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 the car indicates when, when your tire getting low. Ain't that right, Hank? It got that little crazy little, what's that, like a little Pac-Man that come up. You know, it's the best way I can explain. And it comes up. It comes up on the dashboard, and so I get out of the car. I go back there, and I can hear the hissing a mile away. Now, here's the thing. This is life, isn't it? The person in front of me is taking all day to pay, and I'm like, I ain't got too much time <laughs> to get out of here. And so, but, but, but here's the thing. I wasn't, I wasn't that disturbed because I knew I had what I needed in the trunk. I knew that I didn't have to depend just on myself, that I had something in the back. Friends, I'm trying to preach to y'all better than y'all talking to me. What I'm trying to tell you, man, is when the tire's getting low and you're in awkward situations, you ain't got a fret because there's a God who got your back and he's there and he's with you. But here's the thing. We won't use what's in who's backing us up. Can you imagine me trying to change the tire without a jack. Can you imagine me trying to turn the lugs without the tool that I need? I just call it tool because I don't know the name of it. Uh, with the tool that I need. Can you imagine me taking, taking my finger and trying to, to unloosen it? I'll find out quickly that I'm just a man and I'm not Superman. And friends, brothers, it's okay not to be Superman. It's okay. Not to be Superman. And so here it is. Jabril, we get off the expressway. I get to the gas station. I got to admit, my wife kept telling me to pull over. I was trying to see how far I can go. I got I to put that out there because that's how we are, right? She said, she said, Dexter, you scared me. I'm like, I got this, girl. Chill. You with me, girl? <laughs> That's how we are, Hannah. You pray for us. Uh, and, so, and so I made it to the gas station. Me and Jabril, we managed to get the spare tire out the back. We managed to get the, the tire off of the car. No, I take that back. We managed, we managed to get the lugs off. But we couldn't get the tire off. And so we're looking, and we're trying to get the tire off, but we were unable to get it off. And a brother comes out of nowhere, and he says, you got to kick it. And so he gets under the car, and he kicks the tire, and it pops off. I had to preach that part because sometimes you need other brothers to help you get some things up. I thank God that he showed up because what would have took me a lifetime happened in a matter of moments because other brothers were helping me. Jabril grabbed the tire, put it in the back seat. I popped it on and we were on our way. Brothers, I wonder how many of us are stuck on the side of the world because we won't let other brothers help 
us. We could be further down the road if we let other brothers help us. I appreciate God for the brothers in my life, the brothers in this room that have helped me, the men in my life that have helped me become the man that I have become. I have not become who I am today apart from the men in my life who pray for me, who challenge me, who question me. You ought to have some brothers in your life that can question you and ask you what's up with your marriage and what's going on with your spiritual life. If you ain't got nobody that can't speak into your life and can't nobody say nothing to you, you one arrogant brother. The Bible says pride comes before the fall and you wouldn't imagine how many marriages fall apart because brothers won't just ask for help. I don't need no other brother telling me what to do. I got this. No, you don't got this. telling you. And you need some brothers to kick you in the behind sometime. Because of this deep relationship the father has with the son, he lays open the depths of eternity to his son. God the father shares his life with the son and God wants to share his life with you. So what are the practical application here for us fathers under lesson number two? Fathers, in prayer, share with God what you need. Just tell him. Just walk with him. You ain't got to get no, 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 you ain't got to close the bedroom door. You ain't got to wait till you get home. You tell your dad right then and right there what you need. Ask God for help. What's the other practical thing? We just got done talking about it. Brothers, ask other men for help. Let me tell you. In this church, there are some very gifted brothers in here, some very humble, loving brothers in here. And if you need help with something, ask for it. You are not a master at everything, and that's okay. That's okay. Find at least one thing to do with your son that y'all can bond over. For me, it ain't football, it ain't sports, it's working together. Pray together with your son. Help shape his dependency on God. Okay, now for the last Lesson from God, our Father. God, our Father, tells God the Son he is pleased with him. Brothers, this is important. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love. With him I am what? I am well pleased. Notice, God doesn't just tell the Son he loves him, but that he is pleased with him. My God, Holy Ghost, help me preach. God doesn't just tell the son he loves him, but he tells him that he's pleased with him. My son is what God says. Don't miss it. This statement tells us that God is not ashamed of the Lord Jesus. He claims him. That's my son. And I want the whole world to know that that boy right there, that's mine. He belongs to me. Fathers, claim your sons. That's my boy. He belongs to me. And I want the whole world to know that that boy right there, that's mine. We got to stop running from our kids. This statement tells us he's not ashamed. 
And here, and hold on. Not only, not only is God not ashamed of Jesus, if you go over to Hebrews eleven sixteen, you'll find out that he's not ashamed of none of his children. God claims all of you. And, oh, hold on. He claims all of That didn't hit you because you don't know you. Come on now. Come on now. He claims you, although you act up in public sometimes. He still claims you. And he know what you did last night. And I ain't looking over here because y'all did something last night. My head just went that way. I'm going to go on over here because that wouldn't be fair to me because they think I'm judging them. Okay, okay, over here. He still claims you over what you did last night. He still claims you after what you did in the parking lot. He still claims you, though he knows the depths of your heart, that he's unashamed of you, and he still calls you his son and his daughter. What an example to us fathers. Our children need to know that we are proud of them and that we are not ashamed to claim them as our own. Fathers, the first way we validate our children is by staying in their lives. Let me talk about boys for a minute. Boys have a deep need for validation from their dads. Remember the famous scene from Will Smith when he was rejected by his dad? That was a classic scene, wasn't it? really captured what happens in young men when they're rejected by their fathers. He was troubled with this question. Why doesn't he want me? So many boys are tormented by that question. Why doesn't he want me? It's the deepest wound a boy can experience that his father doesn't want him. And that's why dads who adore and love their sons, the world wants to say, thank you. Want to say, thank you. Yes. Because when you adore your son, you save the world a whole lot of heartache. You save women a whole lot of heartache. Because when we don't validate them, they spend their entire lives trying to get validated. And sometimes they take it if they can't get it. And they will tear the world down if they don't feel that validation. Boys need constant affirmation from their fathers and will usually live up to your estimate of their worth. Therefore, be very careful how you treat your sons. And I'm going to put a parenthesis here. Once again, even if your earthly father doesn't validate you, you can find a remedy in God the Father who fathers the fatherless. But boys need their father's validation deeply. Boys need constant affirmation from their fathers and will usually live up to your estimate of their worth. Therefore, be very careful how you treat your sons. Be quick to let them know that you are proud of them, just like the Heavenly Father. And many of our sons are not growing up because they need a dad who can validate them and push them. Did you know that psychologists say 
We are in the times of extended adolescence. Let me talk about man here for a moment. And the women will testify because they are experiencing this in the dating world. Men are not becoming man psychologically until the age of 35. Boys, however, need to begin being challenged and given responsibility starting at early as age 13. And as they conquer and accomplish things, they need to be validated by their father. However, many of our young men are not becoming man because of passive fathers, watch it ladies, and coddling mothers. Mothers, you have got to allow other men to challenge and put your son in situations that pull their inner man out of them. Mothers come to me and say, hey Dex, can, can, can your son work with me? Yeah, but I'm going to need you to let him work. We're not going to be coddling him on the job because we want to pull something out of him. Ability to lead, an ability not to be passive, but to take responsibility fathering him. Situations that make him stand on his own two feet. He can't be rescued all the time. He needs to be in circumstances that allow him to be fathered by God. Let me preach here. Let me preach here. Let me preach here. Because too many of us parents, I'm talking to all the parents now, too many times we want to be our kid's savior. You're not the savior. God is. And you got to let their faith develop because one day your loving self ain't going to be there. And they're going to have to learn to be parented by God. And I got good news. I got, I got good news. God is parent a lot of children. And he don't need your help. God knows what he's doing. He got him. He's all right. God got this. We see in Jesus' ministry, he walked with his disciples for a time. Watch, right? But he then sent them out. I love the way Jesus did it, right? He had his disciples walk with him. They watched what he did, right? He healed people with him. They went into the house. They had debriefing lessons with him. He taught them, he showed them, and then came a time where he pushed them, right? He says, now I'm going to send you out, and you're going to do what I showed you, right? And y'all remember that time he goes up to the mountain of transfiguration. He goes up there, he takes a, a few of his closest boys, and then his other homeboys are on the ground. Y'all remember this, right? And so they, they're down there, and father brings his son to the disciples, and he says, can y'all help me out? Because I know how y'all get down. I've seen y'all do some things, right? That's any loving parent. Every loving parent wants their kids to be whole. Every loving parent wants their best for their kids. We want them to accomplish things. We want them to go far so we can relate to this father. His son is being tormented by a demon, and he feels powerless over him. And so he goes to the specialist. He goes to Jesus' disciples. He couldn't get to Jesus because Jesus wasn't there. So he went with the next best thing. It's like when you go to the store, if you can't get the manager, you go to the next best thing. When they don't fry your chicken right, I'm talking personal now. I said fried hard. Why is it fried soft? Okay, not moving on. But here it is. If you can't get the manager, you speak to the in charge. And so here it is. They, 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 they speak to the father's sons. And he says, can you heal my boy? They step out. They try to heal him. They are unsuccessful. Jesus comes down off the mountain. The problem is still there. Jesus handles the situation, 
But does he reject those men? No, he does not. He teaches them. But watch this. Watch what he teaches them. He says some things only come out through prayer and fasting. Hold on now. Because you'll get all caught up in the prayer and fasting because we like to boast in our ability to pray and fast. But that's not the point. The point is this. You need to go spend more time with your daddy and then you'll be able to do this. And so, and so, so without that lesson, they wouldn't knew that they need to spend more time being fathered by God in order to walk in what God has called them to walk in. And so your children will never become who God has called them to be if you don't let them be fathered by God so that they can be who God has called them to be. And it is through the trials. Oh, you know, parents, it is through the trials that you've learned to depend on God. There's some things that you found out no matter how smart you are, no matter how many degrees you have, no matter how much money you got, you thought when you got to this level, you'll be good. You thought when you got to this level, you'll be good. But you found out in every level of life, you need God. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what you accomplish. You found out that life will throw some stuff at you that you got to learn to have your own relationship with the Father. You got to have your own relationship with You got to learn what it is to say, our Father in heaven. That has to be something that you own, something that you feel. I wish I had some folks in room that knew what it was to not just see him as God, but to feel him through father. And you felt him through father, not through going through the easy things, but going through the hard things. Though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Friends, you got to have your own relationship. And what we want to do is we want to push these boys out into the world. And we want them to be challenged as we slowly Teach them as we slowly show them the way. Watch this. And eventually, as we watch the scripture in Psalms, it doesn't only just say that those who build without God build in vain. Watch this. It says something like this in verse 4 about children. Brian Loris points this out. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children Born in one's youth. I love the imagery. Children are like arrows. Brian LaRibs points this out. What's the difference between an arrow and a boomerang? Arrows go out and they don't come back. Boomerangs go out, but they come back. But we want arrows. We want sons that leave mommy and daddy and cleave to their wife, not come back home to mommy and daddy. When fathers are passive and uninterested in boys, they cannot stand the blows of life thrown at them and they will run back to the nest. Let me put a, let me park here for a second. I'm not saying that kids shouldn't come back home at all because life does throw things at you and sometimes you got to go back home and that's okay. We don't want them going back home because they're passive and they're scared. Our sons need to hear they can do it, and we need to push them to do it. But they need validation. And a lot of fathers don't know how to validate because they haven't been validated. And we need our validation from our Father, who are in heaven. Listen, God has already validated you through Jesus. 
God died to validate you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, if you have put your faith and you've repented of your sins, God has validated you. You see, God the Father is truly a great dead. Watch this. He's provided a way for you, son. He's provided a way how? He paid for your sins by himself. He reached into his own pockets, and he made provision for you. God is a good, 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 good. There's not enough goods in the world to express how good of a father he is. And fathers, I don't know what you're carrying today. But today is the day to let it go. Worship team is coming back at this time. Maybe you feel like a failure today in the area of fatherhood. Me and Mr. Harper were talking this morning about fatherhood, and we were talking about how we feel so inadequate as dads, how we feel how much better we can be as fathers, as we think about the way that God our Father fathers, we, we're reminded of our shortcomings. But fatherhood is not about perfection, it's about direction. It's about going and walking with God, doing the best that you can, day by day, day in and day out, never quitting, but continually leaning on God. But if you feel that you're not validated in fatherhood, if you feel that you're not validated as a dad, if you feel like you're not validated as a man, in the eyes of God, you'll run from that which God has called you to do. But man, if you're in a situation where you may have walked out on your children, may have hurt some folks, may have did some wrong things, maybe you're online and you've been running from fatherhood because you know the things that you've done. They haven't been good things. I need to be clear here. It's important that you don't go bombarding back in people's lives. It's important that you repent, you acknowledge the wrong that you've done, and you ask God for strength, you ask God for forgiveness, and then you ask God for opportunity to become the dad that he's called you to be. But first you need to receive validation from the father of fathers. If you repented and you've been trying to do this dead thing, but you've been carrying weights and wounds that no one else knows about, and it's been hard to keep on keeping on, you need to call out to God the Father who loves you, who wants to give you strength and who wants to give you power to be the Father that he has called you to be. God wants to father, father.